the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What's in a name? A rose by any other name would smell as sweet, and a god by any other god would be simply magnificent. Join us. Truth for Today is up next. So what are the names for God? Did you know there's more than one? In fact, there are several, and they're laid out for us here in the Bible. Hi there. Welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Today we continue our series, Meet Your God, and we focus on the names of God and the significance of each one of them. Join us for the next couple of days as we take a look at the names for God. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. But turning your Bibles to Proverbs 18, meet your God. And if you want to know who your God is, we're going to look at what his name is. And uh, when we discover his names and what they mean, you'll see what God's revealed about himself. You see, our names are meaningless almost. How many of you know what your name means? Okay, raise it up there. How many of you don't know what your name means? Kind of reminds me of that Indian boy asking uh, Chief Running Bear where they got their names. And he said, well, our parents would be in the woods and they'd see an event and they would name their children after that event. Why do you ask? Oh, puking dog. <laughs> you know, I mean, we, we, don't, we don't know where our names come from. I mean, mamas and pains, just any name, name the kid. I just want to get him here. No. Uh, so most folks don't know their name, what it means. God knows his name. And there's something revealed about him in that name. And listen to what he says in Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Now, why is that capitalized? Have you ever noticed in your Bible how they sometimes capitalize the name Lord. Have you ever notice that? Or sometimes the word God is in all caps, I mean, large letters. Do you know why they do that? If you were reading a Hebrew Bible, believe it or not, if you want the original, it's not King James. It's Hebrew and Greek. You would say right there, reading that, What they've done in the English translation is to help you out. The name of Jehovah is a strong tower. Now, if it was small letters, capital L, small O, small R, small D, it would be Adonai. The name of Adonai is a high tower. If it was just God, capital G, small O, small D, it would be Elohim. And so I've provided for you a guide, but in the uh, printing of it, a mistake happened. The compound names of God uh, on the bottom section, 
Lord God, the Lord should be all capital. Jehovah Elohim. So when you see Lord in all capitals, large letters, you know it's saying Yahweh or Jehovah. If it's just a small God, G-O-D there. Now, now if they don't capitalize the G, they're talking about false gods. So to give you a little clue, there's three primary names for God in the Old Testament. Jehovah, Elohim, and Adonai. And the English translators devised the way you could know it by the size of the print. All capitals, Jehovah. Capital L, small O, R, D, Adonai. Elohim is just God, capital G, small O, small D. I want you to have that because sometimes people, they look at their Bible and you wonder, why is this capitalized? Are they just trying to emphasize? No, they're designating a different name of God for you without you knowing the original language. So they're doing a great favor. Now, let me read a little bit here to you, just this intro, that the names of God are his self-revelation to mankind. He would reveal a name of himself in an event or in a historical setting because he wanted his people to know him for that event or that revelation of himself. So he reveals something about his character, about his attributes uh, to his people by means of his names. Uh, I haven't even given you a list of the names for Jesus Christ. I'm just dealing with the broad perspective of Old Testament names of God. So let's go on the journey. Let's find out when I call God, God, if I call him Jehovah, if I call him Elohim, if I call him Adonai, what would I be saying in Hebrew? What did God want me to know about it? Well, if you call God Elohim, it was the word for strong one. It'd be our word, we would think of uh, uh, unending strength. Uh, Lord God Almighty would be like omnipotent, but when they called him El or Elohim, my God is the strong one. My God creates. My God's word is powerful, and the emphasis is on his strength. If you call him Adonai, and that would be just Lord, capital L, small O, small R, small D, I'd be calling him my master. And I'm acknowledging that I am a servant to a great master. He's the creator. I'm the creature. And so you'd make that distinction about him. When you call him Jehovah, God revealed himself in Exodus 3 to Moses when he called him at the bush. And Moses says, uh, since you're calling a stutterer or a man that doesn't feel his eloquent language, and I go to the Israelites, who am I to tell them sent me? And God in Exodus 3.14 said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God takes the name of a verb to be, Hayah. And he says, I am that I am, the self-existent, ever-present one. The I am has sent you a new revelation of his name. The patriarchs didn't know him by that name. He's revealing something brand new to Moses. And chapter 6 develops this. 
The patriarchs knew him as El Shaddai, but now he says, I am God, ever-present. And you hear Christ say in John 8, before Abraham was, I am. I'm not a past tense God. He's telling Moses, I'm not just the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I'm back here in covenant, but I'm right here in the bush. And when you go to Pharaoh, you're not going to have a has-been God. You're going to have an I am God. I am all that I am, I am. It's uh, mind-boggling to try to get all the meaning of it. Let's look at the compound names, many compound names. They would put Elohim plus a designation, Jehovah plus a designation. Let's take the journey. El Elyon, the Most High God. You are the Lord Most High, or you're the strongest God. Or there's no God any higher than you, is the idea. uh, You have no rivals. You're at the top of the heap, and you're the strongest of all gods. All other gods are the figment of the imagination. Or rebels who seek to get a following, such as Satan. Uh, You get the name of God, Elroy. This is how beautiful uh, context. In Genesis 16, Hagar is put out of the house of Abram and Sarah. Sarah doesn't like this handmaiden. Abraham has taken her to raise up children because Sarah is barren. Jealousy breaks out in the heart of Sarah. She tells Abram, you must put this woman out. I don't want her in the house. It wasn't Hagar's fault at all. So the woman is fleeing, and as she flees, she comes to a well. She's at the end of herself, and there at that place, let me show you, in Genesis 16, she's not aware that God is involved with her at all. She's with a child. She, uh, she's in misery, and then in Genesis 16:13. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. 16:13. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Beer Lahai Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. You are the God who sees me. For an omniscient God, he was already there. She didn't see him for a while. (laughs) She didn't know where her help was going to come from. But all of a sudden, when she discovers God, says, you mean you saw me in my misery? You saw me in my circumstances? You met me there? You're the God who sees my situation. You know, when you're guilty, you don't want God to see you. When you need help, you hope he does see you. When you need justice, when you need help, sometimes you can't find God. You're looking, and, and uh, the heavens become brass, and your prayers seem to bounce off the wall, and, and the checkbook runs out of money, and the kids don't get well, and the relationships don't unravel like they should or be resolved, rather. And all of a sudden, this great revelation of God is, I see you. I, I know the whole situation, Hagar. 
You'll never have to inform me about you. I'm the God who sees everything. You're El Roy. Then he's El Shaddai. You come to chapter 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. This is the word El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant with you and greatly increase your numbers. And as you read through here, he falls on his face. God says, I will make you the father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you. Kings will come from you. On and on and on. Divine blessing. Down in verse 15, as for Sarah, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. It's a remarkable uh, meaning behind this name. A man by the name of Girdlestone, if you want the book, it's called Hebrew Synonyms, is where I get this material. Also, a work, an older word by Nathan Stone, if you just want to track it down. Uh, the word El Shaddai, some scholars believe it's based on the word Shad, and it was the word for breast. And the idea was that of pouring nourishment, supply, sufficiency, that all that the baby needs is found at the mother's breast. We've never come up with a baby formula better than mother's milk. It's amazing what they've discovered, the immunities built in it, the nourishment in it. And uh, I've got a granddaughter nursing now, and I just think, you know what? Uh, Her whole world is made as long as she gets to that supply. And I see this little dinky baby and a supply that can outlast her. But think of the human versus God. And God is saying to Abraham, Abraham, your physical supply has run out. You're a 99-year-old man. You can't father a nation by yourself. Sarai, her womb has become, her, her very womb is a tomb. It's a dead place. There's no life there. Procreative powers are past. But I want to reveal myself to you as God Almighty. I'm the God of all divine strength, fruitfulness, supply. I will take care of you as a nursing child and you'll find everything in your God that will meet this promise to make you a father of nations, to bring Messiah through you, to bring it through Sarah, a woman who's become an old woman and who will laugh at the very thought of it. God said, I will be God Almighty to my people. You may not think of it, but when you became God's child, you start feeding off the resources of heaven. You start feeding off of what God can do with you. You said, I can't. God says, I can. You can't have a nation. I can produce a nation. I can't quit this habit. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, who infuses his strength in me, even as a mother nurses a child. Well, another name, the everlasting God, eternal. Let's go to Jehovah Jireh. This is a well-known one. We sing it, Jehovah Jireh. My God will provide. That's used in Genesis 22, where Abram 
takes his boy up to Mount Moriah. Here he believes God for the promised child, and when he gets it, God says, go offer him up. <laughs> By the time you get him in your arms and, and you're getting bound to him, we believe he's between 12 to 16 years of age when they made the trip, and Abraham on the way up, according to Romans 4 and Hebrews 11, counted his boy as good as dead. He said, he's dead. We're bringing wood. God, I've brought no lamb. I'm going to worship God. It demands a sacrifice. I obviously am going to offer this boy. And he thought that on the way up to Mount Moriah. Romans 4. Counted him as good as dead. But as he went up there, he got to thinking, you know what? If God can make an old man and an old lady have this boy, even if I have to kill him, Romans 4, I believe this God can raise him from the dead. You try that. Kill your boy. And you say, oh, it's okay. God will provide. Oh, I have some problems with that. So, yeah, you'll provide somebody else's boy. <laughs> but, but not Abram. Abram said, no, no, no. If that's what you say, God can provide whatever he demands. That is a great comfort to me. God never gives me a command, but what in the command is the power to do it. If God told me to fly, in that command would be the ability to fly. You're serving Yahweh Jireh. God will provide. Father, where is the sacrifice? I don't know, but God provided you. God is in the provision business. I think he can provide. And let it be said, in the mount of the Lord, God will provide. And, of course, the greatest thing in all history is God provided a lamb in the person of his son on that mount from Mount Calvary's at Mount Moriah. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. So now I'm talking about his name. What can you call your God? You can call him Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth. I didn't put that in the list, but that's another name. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth. I can say you're the El Shaddai. You're my nourishing, supplying, sufficient God. You're my Jehovah Jireh God. All that I need to do your will, you're willing to supply that and all. You're the almighty God. Well, uh, he goes on and he takes the name Jehovah Nissi. I love this one. I love them all. But look at this in Exodus 17. A beautiful place, an incident. Israel is coming out of Egypt. They've never been warriors. They've been bricklayers, brickmakers, and under taskmasters. They've never marched as an army, and they're on the way to Canaan. And on the way, the Amalekites want to eliminate them, and they attack. So Moses tells young Joshua, as it were, you get out there with a sword and take these bunch of brickmakers and shepherds and fight a war. While they're doing that, I'll do something else. I'll go up to a mount, and I'll take Aaron and her with me. And uh, 
I'll do something here. 17.10 of Exodus. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Something connected with these hands. You don't learn this at West Point. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcome, overcame the Amalekite army with a sword. I, I'm kind of amused by that. Who, who did this? It's kind of this divine human cooperation. You fight on the field, Joshua, but your success will be determined on what happens up on the mount. You lead the troops, but there's another component in Israel's victories. It won't be the sword alone. There'll have to be a divine hand behind it. Watch. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nissi. He said, For hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. What a marvelous, marvelous picture. The banner under which we fight will be outstretched hands to a throne. And with the outstretched hands is gaining all the resources of the throne for the battle down here below. Uh, do you ever get the feeling you're too busy to pray? You'll never get too busy to lose. If you're too busy to stretch out your hand to the source of supply, you're going to experience all kinds of defeat down here in the battle. We're the busiest people in the world. Rest is not a part of the American way of life. We don't believe in siestas. We don't believe in resting. We believe in making money and working and going and driving because we can do it. And we just drop over in a dead heap. And we can lose everything. And in church life, it was often the same way. It's the best we can do with our sword. It's the best <coughs> we can do. And you know what? The best we can do cannot win this battle. Somebody has got to touch the throne. Somebody's got to touch the throne. And God said one of the banner names for him is, I'm your banner. Uh, you, you operate under my standard under my name and Israel when you make a banner I don't need the star of David this is before David I want you to put some hands stretched out and on the earth connecting with a throne and looking down and see how Joshua's doing he's doing good as long as you're interceding you know what if we could have a prayer movement in valley if we could learn to pray with all that God's done and many are but if prayer swept through this church and people can lay hold of the throne. I want to tell you, you can get more help up there than you can ever get out there. The help is from on 
High. Call me Jehovah Nissi. Well, he goes on and talks about he's the Lord Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is our peace. Sabbat. He's the God of the armies of heaven. Are you aware of the fact that the Lord Jesus heads the armies of heaven? Did you know there's armies in heaven? When Christ comes back to the earth in Revelation 19, the saints come with him in the armies of heaven. And they just mop up Armageddon, kill the, the enemy, throw Satan into the lake of fire, the Antichrist. I want to tell you, the Lord Jesus has got an army in the heaven. And with that, we come to the end of our time together here on Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. As we close out our program today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the broadcast has encouraged you, has ministered to your walk and relationship with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can contact us. By phone, obviously the easiest, 855-833-9864. Again, Simply call 855-833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is the zip code. Now, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be through our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, as you stop by, you'll be able to drop us an email, but then take advantage of the many resource materials we have available, again, there at truthfortodayradio.org. Or, again, simply call 855-833-9864. Would you also bear in mind this radio broadcast is available through listener support. As you link arms with us financially, we are able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. So please consider that as you contact us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Blessed.